Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. So hi, Elaine. Good to see you. Did you... I'm not sure what we're doing here. And for me, it's midnight, by the way, so there's nothing about breakfast here. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you now. Super, super. So, I I was wondering if you are Kathy from New York, or but you are... I'm Kathy from Oregon on the West Coast, yeah. Hello. Yes. Should I be the first one to share on this? Uh, Yeah, go right ahead. Okay. So, first of all, I will say that I'm in a bit of a turmoil. Uh, I'm always, I'm often weeping in this uh, sessions here because I'm very touched and um, often and, uh, yeah, it's absolutely wonderful. I'm also in a bit of a turmoil in my uh, recent life. It's of everything is very new. My whole my, my life is new. new. I'm more and more new. You know, it's I'm I'm now sober um, almost ten years, and that is wonderful. But I'm I'm not halfway through still. I'm uh, so sorry for this. And I every time I I listen to the old timers, I say yes. I have a long way to go, and I will. I will. I have to go. And I want to, and there are still some boundaries. I don't want to, uh, but that's not the topic, but I want to say how I am in the moment. And also I want to say, yes, I am a a longer time in this program. I have to tell a lot about being a woman in SA and I love to be in SA, uh, but I had also some challenges at the beginning just to come in and say I'm a sexaholic was a challenge. Uh, but because I was in a former program and I and I met some guys in this SA group in this little town in south of Germany, I felt home already. And I know that for lots of women, it's not the case. They have to be just coming in, in a, whatever. But God, God leads everyone who wants to be sober in, in one of these places. And hopefully they are safe for the women. And we women can do help them when we show off, and we cannot. In Germany, we are really spread all over the places. And I was seven years alone with this man, and um, and I, like I said, they are brothers to me, and I'm I'm happy that I was not so in love with them. but I wanted sometimes also in the beginning to have a, a romantic relationship because my lust always wanted to, uh, was looking at this, you know, but I, it was not so hard. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was very a problem to find a, a German speaking sponsor because I couldn't speak English at that time, <laughs> I had to say. And uh, and she was good enough to get me sober. Um, she had only twenty minutes in one week for me, and I could. Um, and when I'm, I'm I was in uh, tour, I was uh, having to have a slip. She was she was there too. And uh, and and I have men uh, friends to help me. Uh, one was married, and we get on because we had the same temperament. We we went. We were friends, you know, and we helped each other. I could help him, and I was—I loved to help him, and he loved—he uh, helped me and loved me, yeah. And uh, so, 
but uh, um, yeah, um, so this this uh, woman's get me sober. But then I needed another um, sponsor. I thought, and it was not. Uh, it was also not very. Um, it was also difficult for me to find a sponsor because in my case, a sponsor um women and women I have most problems with because my mother left me when I was three. It was life-threatening and my life depend on her early on because my father was more a social person for me. And he was an alcoholic. He was not very social, but, but uh, my mother is more important. I think perhaps to every person. And I have uh, problems with women, you know. I don't like them. They are my, uh, I, I, more and more now, but I, when they come to the program and still I'm, I'm not trusting them very much. And, uh, and oh, of course, sometimes they do not trust me and perhaps they have, uh, yeah, and that's, that's healing now because I have sponsees. Um, some are like my daughters, and as I mean, in the age. And some like um, my age, and um, yeah, and I—that's uh, a wonderful opportunity to heal, um, because I need also women. I need women to identify with my who I am, also. But at the first place, I am a human being in this uh, SA fellowship. And I will, I will also uh, hopefully that. Some, and I know some men are not so reserved. I I've heard that some people, women, are very much um, suffering because they are not recognized. They are there, and men are talking, talking with each other and having fun, but the woman is there alone, and that is very um, painful for them. I, I know this and. But um, don't go to, into self-pity, I think, and just connect with other women, other places. We have now the technology like we see it here, and hopefully it will grow like this, and, and then we attract women in our towns and be, be ready to and strong enough to, to, to uh, bring the message to them. Yeah. Um. I cannot read my own <laughs> writing, so I think I, I will give, um, I will pass to my other fellows. Thank you. Thank you. Is it so, Claudia? Are you wanting to share now? Hi. Sorry. Were you wanting to share now? And is there, is there somebody besides Claudia, Elaine, and I that need to share? I'm not sure who was supposed to share. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. yeah Hi, Claudia. Great. Yes, we hear you. That's great. Thank you. It's a miracle. <laughs> this technique. Yes. I'm Claudia. I'm a sexaholic and I'm an alcoholic and I'm having other addictions. And Hi, Claudia. Spring 2009. Hi. I want to read something out of the big book I really love. It helps me. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I'm disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing or situation, some facts of my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my sex, sex my last problem or my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely, completely on life terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and in my attitudes. Shakespeare said, 
all the world's a stage and all the men and women merrily players. He forgot to mention that I was the chief critic. I was always able to see the flu in every person, every situation, and I was always glad to point it out. Because I knew you wanted perfection just as I did. AA or SA and acceptance have taught me that there is a bit of good and worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us. That we are all children of God and we each have a right to be here. When I complain about me or about you, I'm complaining about God's handiwork. I'm saying that I know better than God. Yes, and so on. Um, I hear myself, I have a F echo. I don't know what to do. Okay, I accept it. <laughs> um, this is so important for me um, because this is how I am. And um, again and again, this does not go away. In some times in my life, I'm really in my acceptance and then I'm struggling again. And in the moment, I'm, I'm having a difficult time. Also with lasting, um, and so it's really a pleasure for me to be of service. Um, I only can talk of my own as a woman in SA, and um, I'm in SA since long time, and I had different experiences in SA with, with myself and with men and um, I had a relapse and now I'm sober. Yes, but and I'm not free of lust. It's coming again and again and it shows me that I have to to work more on my steps or getting in contact with my higher power. And what I learned in SA is getting out of my victim because the whole my whole life I was a victim, victim of man, victim of life, victim of my disease. Uh, yes, and... Um, it's still an ongoing process to make the decision not to be a victim and look on my, my own and my side of the street what is my part when I have conflicts and with men I, I'm really often very fearful of them and this was my whole life because I have also experiences with abuse. And so it was a big challenge for me to be in SA with so many men. And this is also the great opportunity for me to learn to get over my fear and to look in the eyes from this man and see that they are my brothers or they are my they are the same like me um, and see that they have the same disease like me and they are suffering like me and um, this is a really gift for me to to experience this to to feel the um, that I can be close to them and I'm safe. And it also depends on me, how I behave. And yes, it's always a challenge to be there because of my disease and my patterns I have with men. And it's a, a very, really great opportunity in this fellowship 
to learn to behave a different way and to love men without lust and without giving sex and wanting something. It's it's a big learning to give and not to want something from them. And again and again when I'm at conventions or in meetings, it's it's a deep experience there to to feel how I heal from my abuse being with them because I have the experience when men are getting into this pro program and doing their work and getting sober and healing from their own um, story and yeah, it's in some way an amends to towards women. They they have experienced abuse. This is for me is very healing. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing, yep, Claudia. I think that was all. Thank you okay. very much. Thank you, Claudia. Um, so I am Kathy. I'm from Oregon on the west coast of the U.S. Hi, Elaine. I know I've met Elaine personally before, so this is extra special to see her face again. Um, so I've been sober since March 4th, 2009. Um, and I have... Let's see, as has, has this been mentioned in some of the previous meetings, I was around when WISA was up and running in, to its full extent um, is when I first came in. And so I watched that go downhill, and I watched as the new sisters list was built up. And I've seen a lot uh, of what's gone on with SA and women around the world since I've come in, uh, which, you know, which includes my own area, but also you know, thankfully, because of my sponsorship, I was introduced to an international level at a very early stage in my recovery, which I am so grateful for. Because, um, you know, the essay is so much bigger than your own little city or your own country. Um, and, you know, that's what, you know, speaking for myself, but if I didn't know about, you know, if I was so focused on my own area, it's just like, yeah, we've had some women there, but that's, you know, there's such a much bigger world out there with so many more women and men. And, um, you know, seeing, um, going to an international convention a year into my recovery for the first time and being introduced to some of the delegates and trustees. And, you know, even though I was a long ways from where they were at, um, it's just like, wow, they have amazing peace. And if I can keep going along, I too can have that kind of peace. And I still look up to those same people that are still way further along than me. And I know I have more peace than I did that many years ago. But it's um, it's just great to have a whole big fellowship of brothers and sisters that I that are further along than me. And I know that, you know, if I, too, keep going, working my program and staying sober, I can even have more peace than I have today. Um, when I came in, I... Because this, this a topic is challenges and opportunities for women, women in SA in particular. And I really wanted to stay on that topic. Um, for me, when I came in, yes, I was very terrified to show up in a meeting. Uh, because there are all these crazy men that, you know, look like thugs on the street. And I didn't want to meet them in a million years. And, you know, the men in my life um, were not nice to me. Um, and these guys must be worse because I'm sure they were on the street. And they were just raping women left and right or whatever. Um, so I had no idea that the men in SA would appear anywhere near normal, you know, you know, let alone their fact they're sexaholic, but they would just look like thugs or something. Um, and so in my fear, now granted, I was introduced to a woman in my area over the phone. I, I was actually, um, a counselor instructed me to find an S meeting. And there's a lot of S fellowships. Um, but when I researched them, there was no doubt the essay was a fellowship for me. Um, but when I was trying to call up my local area, it just so happened their phone line was broke, literally. And so I'm pretty sure my counselor called Seiko. And then they set me up with a woman in a different state, not too far from me, but certainly not my state. 
And then she in turn introduced me to some woman more local to me, um, whom I was able to meet at my first meeting. Um, in fact, one of them, it's like who became my first sponsor and is now my sponsor again. Um, amazing woman with over 25 years of sobriety. But I, she was going to meet me there and she said, well, my car's broke. Uh, I can't come unless you pick me up. And I'm like, where do you live? And I did drive a while down my ways to get her. But yes, I did have fear. But I was also at the same time, I'm pretty sure even without her, I don't know this for sure, but I would have showed up anyways because I was so desperate for recovery. I didn't even know that sex addiction existed, let alone I had it, you know, up until two months before I showed up at the most. Um, But yet I knew I was sick and I needed help. And so finally, when I found an answer, it's like, you know, thank you, God. Um, And, you know, it started with, I had to drive one way, two and three, wait, it was like three hours, one way, once a week to get to a meeting in the first place. So it wasn't a little event for me to go to a meeting. I had to drive three hours one way. Um, So I was desperate and I would have gone to a meeting and granted, I wasn't going to chicken out because I had to drive three hours to get here. I'm going to go. Um, but I was able to have a woman go with me. Um, I was terrified at the men. Now, thankfully, I mean, I remember some of those men very specifically. Some of them are still in the fellowship from my first meeting. Uh, some of them are, but um, I have learned to love my brothers in a special way. And they have, they respect me and they protect me when necessary. Um, it is just an amazing experience. Um so it's not like I've never been scared of men. I have been scared. In fact, even today, if a man raises his voice, that can trigger me. But that doesn't mean I don't work my program. Um, like, for example, because um, I know women are afraid to go to men's meetings, partially because of all the, or even mixed meetings. Um, they call them men's meetings because that's what they think they are, but they're really mixed meetings uh, in most cases. Um you know, because they don't want to be triggered by all the men or maybe they don't feel they can share. Um, as far as the sharing part, I mean, I just really look at what we're similar about and not what we're different about. I had, I had one of my sponsors along the way, which I hated her for this extensively. Um, and I, <laughs> I still talk about that. Um, uh, even to the point where I tell my sponsors, well, I could have you do this, but maybe I'll just have you do it a little less extensively. Um, but she had me write every day for, I'm not even sure how many months, 10 different similarities I have to the people around me that day and not ones I've mentioned before. Um, so I, I've had a unique experience of looking at similarities about me and other people. Cause I, as an addict, I tend to look at all the differences. Oh, I'm unique. You're like this and I'm not. Um, that's what I do. Um, but when I start to look at this, the similarities that like we're all sexaholics, our bottom line is lust. It really doesn't matter how you act out on that list. Sometimes I relate to the men better than women. Sometimes I relate to the women better than men. Sometimes I relate to both. It really doesn't matter, but the fact is we're all sexaholics. And um, even when there was a women's meeting in my area for a time because I had to drive so far, um, actually I only live an hour and a half away right now. Uh, I still don't get to meetings as much, but, um, I, but I can't get there as much. So I chose to go to the mixed meeting, which I wasn't the only woman that did that because there was more recovery in the meeting. I needed a meeting with more recovery. And what we would all go out to lunch afterwards. So I had fellowship with the woman. I gave my phone number. But when it came to recovery, I showed up at the mixed meetings. Um, if I had more time, I don't mind supporting women's meetings. I'm not a, completely against them, but I'm also not for them. Because um, women do need to connect and get into fellowship. And I totally get that. Uh, but there comes a point where you, uh, mixed meetings are important. Um, and I know some people will take longer to get there, but that's my experience. Um, but for example, I was really triggered in my area. It's very, uh, liberal to say the least. And we generally don't have uh, guidelines and meetings at all. Like in other areas often do, whether it's about sharing or dress guidelines or whatever, we just don't have a lot of guidelines in my area. And I was really triggered by the way some of the men dressed in my meetings. I won't elaborate on that, but let's just say it was in my mind ridiculous. Um, and I just was having a really hard time. And my sponsor had me, it was my home meeting, and she had me go to the meeting, into the business meeting, and um, ask for them to make, ask for them to change, you know, the dress code, you know, have a dress code, you know, or at least acknowledge it, talk about it, let's do something about it. From my understanding, this topic was periodically brought up in my area and periodically shot down every single time. Um, But it was, as hard as it was, it was good for me to bring it up. We did take, because they would only do one business meeting a month, it took 
It brought up a lot of hard feelings because um, people, like I said, they're liberal. They're very against having rules. Um, and so it brought out <laughs> some of the worst in some people, so to speak. And I wanted to retreat, crawl back in a hole. It's like maybe never bring it up again, but I stuck with it because of my sponsor. Uh, it did turn out not to go my way. But on the flip side, if that didn't have happened, I wouldn't have learned how to work my program on a deeper level because my sponsor taught me. Um, you ask for God's power um, to close your eyes. I can't remember her, but ask for God's power to help me with that circumstance. And I was amazed the first week I did that. I totally didn't notice anything. And it's not that it wasn't there. Um, but asking for God's power to help you through stuff and help you get through less triggering moments, um, there's a way. And um, yes, it would be nice if my area has some dress guidelines because it does get ridiculous. And I get tired of having to um, adjust myself or whatever to stay away from it or do what I need to do. I mean, it's just like, really, I shouldn't have to do that. But on the other side, I want, uh, I, I want to stay sober and I will do whatever it takes to stay sober. It doesn't matter if other people don't change. I can change the way I do my program. Um, and I need meetings. And these guys are my brothers. And um, oftentimes they have, they have no clue what they're doing. And, and some of the guys that do it aren't even sober. So, I mean, they're not going to have a clue in the first place. So, um, so it's really, and I was kind of humored. I, I wasn't sure if I'd have anything to say at this meeting. Um, but then I've been taking some notes from other shares or earlier in the day. I haven't been to a lot of shares, but um, I was humored. I don't even remember which meeting it was on today, but um, some guy commented about how the fact that he thought men were more comfortable with dress codes than women. And I was like going, oh, that's that's nice. Because <laughs> my experience is, and, um, you know, in my area, we have the most meetings where my home meeting is. We have the most meetings per capita outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, so we have a lot of meetings. It's not not that. So, I mean, there's all, uh, enough people there. It's not like I'm talking about a small population of SA. Um, but I've seen new women come into the meetings wearing not so appropriate clothing and the men are really triggered and they're freaking out. You need to talk to her. You need to talk to her. Ah, we're just I mean, it's just like, wow. Um, and, you know, at first I shared it with another woman that had more sobriety than me. And it's like, you know, you really don't need to do anything about that. Just pray and go on. And, you know, that's what I would do. But these guys would be absolutely freaking out. And these are guys with sobriety at times. And it's just like, but then here I am having a problem like I just told you about, sharing it week and week on end. They don't even have a clue what I'm saying. And if it were flipped around where this one, where the same woman they were freaking out about came every single week, you know, welcome to my world. Um, so <laughs> it's, I don't think the guys know if they're comfortable or not with dress because women don't show up every week. They're dressed inappropriately. So uh, um, I'm not sure they know what they're saying, but I mean, just as I don't think the guys realize ways they could dress more appropriately. I'm not going to get into that, but they're not fully aware of what they're doing, but they would be fully aware of what they needed if a woman walked in and triggered them. So, um, but regardless, it's just, we need to work with each other. And regardless if you're a man or a woman and you're triggered by whatever in a meeting, if it's that big of an issue for you, bring it up here your business meeting and let the group talk about it. And I've always learned that God talks to the group conscience, whether or not I think it's appropriate at the time, I figure out eventually it's God. It may be months down the road afterwards, but oh yeah, that was God because it may not feel like it at the time. But, um, <laughs> but it's amazing how God works to the group conscious. And so it's just, it's been hilarious for me to watch, you know, like, you know, stuff that women have to surrender all the time in essay meetings and the guys have it happen once and they're just like totally freaked. And I know that's not the same reaction across the board, but um, um, that was just humorous to me. And I had to comment on that. Um, and it's not humorous. It's very serious because um, men are having issues with it and women will too, but we're sexaholics. We're going to be triggered by the way people dress. Uh, but that's, it's, but it's best to be with your family of essay because that's where we learn. Um, and that's why, you know, it's really important to be at mixed meetings because we learn how to have healthy relationships with men and women. So whether you're a same-sex person or a different-sex person, it doesn't really matter. We, we have appropriate relationships with everybody, and so mixed meetings work well for everybody. Um, and I know that I can mess up and be a total jerk in an essay meeting or an essay fellowship, and they will love me just the same no matter what. But if I do that same thing in real life, it's going to be a lot harder learning experience. So I'd much rather do it in an essay fellowship situation or essay meeting because um, then at least I'm loved through it and I'm not like <laughs> – treated like an alien or whatever you know it's just it's going to be a lot easier to deal with even though it's still hard 
because um, it is it is hard. Um, recovery is hard, um, but yet because of, because of our intimate level of the topic of addiction, I mean, we tend to get a lot closer than say other fellowships and um, and the brotherly sisterly relationship. As far as my brothers in SA, and we, I have you sisters and brothers on the line here. Um, you know that family relationship seems more close than it might be in another fellowship, just because of the intimacy of our topic. And because uh, I am a part of a, another fellowship, and it's not not nearly as close at all. And it's a whole other world. Um, granted, there's some wonderful people on there and some wonderful ladies that I work with, but it's not the same at all. And I so appreciate my SA family. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, and earlier, too, it happened to be at when they were talking about some things in Australia earlier. Um, they were mentioning, this is, you know, speaking of challenges in SA right now. They said, well, we don't have very many women and da-da-da. And then we can't find ways for them to reach out to the world, da-da-da. And I don't know the current situation today. They said there's not many. And I haven't talked to women in Australia for a while. But there was a time I was in contact with the two or three women from Australia. I didn't say anything at this meeting, by the way. Um, but just an observation. Um, and it just so happened these women, I tried to keep a relationship with them and be there for them. And in one case, try to sponsor them. And they basically never talked to me again. So it's, I don't think it's about not connecting. Um, where, although that they certainly need the information. I think it's more about, are those women ready to have recovery now? Because these women were not. Um, so, I mean, that's a tough issue. So yes, you know, getting a woman to a meeting is one thing, but when she's ready to recover is another. I mean, look at some of the guys. I mean, they spend years going in or out before they get ready to recover in some cases, but then they have a wonderful recovery. So we don't know that person's timeline or God's timeline, um, you know, which is obviously going to be quite the same, but I, we just don't know. But regardless, we can be welcoming to women and give them the information to get out there. Um, but like the, you can lead them to a meeting, but you can't force them to do the step work or get a sponsor and recover. Um, that's up to them. And so I don't think that's always the case that, um, well, we just, it's not working. The women aren't connecting, you know, they're just not ready. Um, and I think if it were switched around, um, in some cases, anyways, if the guys had to show up at an essay meeting with mostly women to get recovery, we wouldn't have nearly the amount of men in this fellowship. Uh, so, um, because it's tough walking into a room where, you know, they most likely are your triggers or they're very scary people or that's the last thing you want to do is associate with these people. But when you're desperate for recovery, you do show up. Um, so there, those are challenges and situations in recovery in SA today. Um, and let's see here. Um, and another, and, and, and by the, and another, by the way, I am a part of the committee. Um, that's an ad hoc committee of the GEA this looking at how to support women in essay. Uh, I can't remember. It's the committee's taking longer than anybody initially planned. I'm sure, but it's been a little while now, maybe a couple of years since we sent around that survey and our committee was assigned with um, researching how essay supports women. And then, um, and then make recommendations um, to the trustees on what to do about it. And so we were finished with the research part. We have been for a little while and we're currently working on the recommendations section and, and eventually we'll be giving a report to the trustees. Well, we, we turn it into the GDA chair first, which is our boss, so to speak. And then he'll give it to the trustees and then it, they take it from there on what to do with it. But we are, we will, will be making some pretty specific recommendations. I'm not willing, I'm not able to share about that because that's, we're not done with that yet. Um, our hope is to have it done by the GDA this summer so we can present, um, so the GDA can be aware of what those things are. Maybe the trustees will have a chance to look at them or maybe even get some of them going. I don't know. Um, but it certainly is a long process. There are both men and women on this committee, um, which I have just, that's been my huge passion is, you know, it's not about women supporting women. It's about SA supporting women and SA supporting men. It's not about that. So that's huge. Because um, to have that well balance of not only men or women, but um, geographics, because we have people on the committee um, we have, let's see, three, four, I guess four from the U.S., uh, three or four from the U.S., and then we have, we have Ireland, we have Germany, we have Netherlands, and we have Israel on our committee as well. And so to have different cultural, cultures on the committee as well, to have different perspectives, um, so we, to try to keep it simple enough to where it can go across cultures, uh, but yet to tell, yet to let people, you know, 
give some concrete suggestions on what to do um, does make it interesting. So, um, but we're all very passionate. I mean, the men on the committee and other men as well, they're very passionate about what can we do for women. And we really want to help them out and what to do there. Um, you know, especially when it's common reaction. I, and I've seen this in my meetings. I come into a meeting and a new, and I'm the only woman there at the time. And then a newcomer woman comes in and the guys are looking at me like, please, please go, go over there. Please help her. You know, it's just like, you um, you know, it's, you know, when, when a woman comes in the meeting, no, it's not, it's not the sign. Okay. Panic time. That's no, that's not what it means. It's, you know, we welcome her like we do every other newcomer. Uh, and, you know, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's things like, you know, maybe have a couple guys talk to her instead of just one or, you know, and certainly not have physical contact except maybe holding hands with a prayer and even, even that, you know, maybe ask first, but it's just, um, but yeah, she's not like this alien that walked into the room and we all, you know, shriek, shriek away as if she's poisoned. No, no, that's not how it works. And, but unfortunately that's how women get treated. Um, or, or something like, Oh, aren't you supposed to go to the SNA meeting down the hall? It's like, and it's hard for her to say, no, I'm really here for essay. So it's just because there are cases in my area. Um, there's one time in particular where there's an essay and an SNA meeting in the same building at the same time. And now, granted, they both have intergroup on the same night, which is really convenient, especially for couples. And we all, oh, um, and we also have um, a fellowship um, potluck and speaker night at that same location, too, for essay and SNA. So that's really helpful for those times. But, you know, when you have a new woman, you don't just, you know, to assume she needs to belong somewhere else is not a good idea. It's like, you know, this is essay. Is that what you're here for? Or, you know, but, you know, to assume she's here for essay unless proven otherwise or to let her know. Um, So, yeah, because just being welcoming is important. It certainly doesn't have to be done perfect, Um, but it's very possible. Uh, But one huge challenge, and I've seen this firsthand for a lot of years um, is there's a lot of women that want a lot of things available from women. And I totally get that. I mean, yes, um, I know the sisters list isn't perfect. Um, You know, there's, there's not a lot of sponsors available um, necessarily. Um, But on the other hand, I've never had a problem finding a sponsor. I mean, even one time, um, well, let me back up. When WISA was going downhill and the, the, you know, and the phone list was not being taken care of for I'm not even sure how long, and I finally personally picked it up, which I did for several years, um, which I probably shouldn't have done that long, but I did. Um, but, um, and in trying to, because um, I was passionate about keeping women connected, but then even when I let go of it, um, and there was a group of ladies that took over, it didn't last. And my point is that, um, and we tried to have it run by committee because I would get flagged for doing something with that phone list. And it's like, well, nobody's backing me up. It's not backed up by committee. It's not, but yet I'm, I'm here taking all the flack for it. And so we tried to get it run by committee. My sponsor helped me out with that. Nobody would show up or very few people would show up. I mean, we'd be lucky. It would be a good day if we had three women show up and there's a lot more than that on the phone list. And, um, or even, we didn't have people, you know, email me and say, well, you know, I want to be there, but I just can't. No, that didn't happen at all. They just didn't do anything. And so what the problem I see is that there women want a lot, but nobody's willing, very few are willing to step up and do service. And then when um, a few, a few, a few women end up doing a lot of the service and they get burned out. And then, you know, when they have to drop the ball, it's like, well, what happened? Well, there's, so there's really a need for women with sobriety to step up for service. I mean, it's going to start on a local level, obviously. I mean, you're doing service by continuing to come to your meeting and then you can eventually, you know, you know, be the secretary of meeting, be the help with the business meeting. You can work up to your intergroup and, you know, maybe eventually be a, a delegate or at least be on a, I mean, you, you can be on some of the committees of the GDA without ever being a delegate. So they have requirements um, and some of them have to vote you in, but the committees are open. Um, you can you can attend no matter what. So um, you're, anybody's welcome. So there's service at an international level, uh, uh, as well as a local level that's available to women, but very few women are willing to pick it up. And, you know, thankfully on the GDA right now, we have, I am a delegate currently. Um, we do have, uh, oh, five, well, no, wait. Well, I guess we have four women delegates and... Well, Denise just moved up to trustee recently. So um, so that makes 
five. Well, one of them is Ida in Iran. So I haven't seen her personally yet. Um, but we're really working on getting, um, I think we did have Iranians show up at the last delegate meeting on the phone. So, um, cause they're really working at getting uh, more connected with some of the, uh, newer, um, regions in the fellowship. Um, but yeah, it's just, we need women to step up because without women to step up and serve other women and, um, and to do service work on things like the sisters list, for example, I know they've struggled to keep people working that sisters list. Cause I've, I know a woman actually I've known two women that have worked on it. Um, and it's just, it can be a nightmare if you don't have help after so long. So um, it's not, it's not that hard, but you know, there's a, there's a reason for rotation of service. And so we need people to have it rotate out to um, and to have women coming through the delegates. So we have a balance of men and women at an international level in service, you know, both on the committees and at, on the, and delegates serving as delegates and alternate delegates and trustees. And that takes, you know, some of them take obviously more years of sobriety to get to, but it's possible. I never thought I would be a delegate and here I am. So, um, yeah, as far as opportunities, um, definitely, well, women be willing to give your phone number out. Um, cause I, um, and I know each of you have different issues. I know I'm single. Um, my phone number has been out there so long. It's like, I don't even care. Um, uh, I really can't care, but I, I've given to my, I give my number to guys in another state that say, you know, there's no, can I have your number just to give out in case a woman comes to my meeting? Well, sure. Here, no, why not? So, and I've talked to people in that state before. So I, you know, I'm willing to be a help to guys that way. I'm, I'm always willing to have my number given out. Feel free to ask me. I don't care. Um, and I would hope that more women are willing to do that. I mean, it's up to your groups and intergroup to decide if you want to give to women uh, some kind of a contact list when you when you introduce, when, when a newcomer woman walks in the room, or if you just want the woman to give out their list, their info personally, but having, um, giving men permission to use my phone number when a woman comes in has been really helpful for some men. Um, and also as far as the guys, I mean, just be really, be welcoming to the woman and know how to tell them to connect with other women, but also, you know, you welcome them, you respect them and you protect them when necessary. Cause I've had some interesting situation with guys in my meeting um, and they weren't easy situations, but my, say my brothers in recovery helped me out immensely and they didn't make, they didn't do the work for me, but they were there to pick up any pieces if they had to be picked up. And they loved, you know, both me and the other guy and whatever guy was involved or guys were involved. Um, and in one case, I know if I told them where to go, where this guy was, it did what was such and such to me, they probably would have killed him because they were that passionate about their sister in recovery. It happened to be a non-SA guy at that time in a different fellowship. So, um, cause I was going to another S fellowship as a, but I asked them what to do about this one, one situation. But my, my brothers in SA truly love me as a sister. Um, now I can't say that some of them, you know, do other things. I mean, we're sexaholics is going to happen. Um, but you know, it's, is you know, letting, um, being honest with your group and letting them help you through it. Um, you know, treat women as you would your own sister, you know, and there's been, there's been a few times guys in my group have told me don't, don't, uh, and they told me to spread the word to other women too, if I need be, but don't talk to so-and-so he's not safe. Okay. You know, don't sit by him. Don't talk to him, you know, just ignore him. Okay. We'll do that. And so things like that really help women. Um, and, um, and then there's things like, you know, one of the guys, every time he sees me, how's your car doing? you know, just caring about, you know, who they are and if they're safe or not. Um, I had a lot of weird car issues and I, I do drive a ways to a meeting. So, I mean, that's a good question to ask. Um, and that's just their way of caring. And so, and fellowship is really important. Like the meetings I go to usually, um, they're either longer meetings to begin with, or they go out for fellowship in a restaurant or something. And then as well as fellowship at retreats or speaker meetings or things like that, it's just so important to have fellowship. Um, because I'm not going to talk to a guy one-on-one on the phone, but in fellowship, I can talk to guys at, around a dinner table or something and hear their experience, strength, and hope in ways I wouldn't be able to hear even at meetings possibly. And that just helps you grow in ways. I mean, it, at one point at our Saturday morning meeting, we went out to lunch afterwards. We would have like 25 to 30 men and women from SA show up at this run restaurant around this big table. It was just amazing. And one time we had more women than men and started scaring the men away. It was kind of hilarious. But that was for a short time. It's just, it's good. And I guess I got, let's see, watch, let's see, watching the time here. Um, 
Yeah, and I will say that um, service is just a, a joy to, is just um, being available for women. And when I say being available, now what I what I personally have been frustrated with, this may be just my experience, I'm not sure. But when I call down the phone list, and I, I will back up one time finding a sponsor when I was in charge of the phone list, I was going, oh, great, I have to take my own advice now. Call down the list. <laughs> it's just like I'm going to freak out. <laughs> and he's so who am I to talk to? I give advice about this all the time. or make suggestions is more accurate. But it's like I call down the list and I got a sponsor. It's like, well, thank you, God. Okay, because I was freaked out. It's like I'm never going to be able to do this. I know who these people are. I talk to them. You know, if nothing else, in keeping the phone list um, current, I communicate with all of them, so I know them a little bit at least. But, um, but yeah, when I go to calling down the phone list or trying to call other people, I mean, locally or not, I mean, there's people I more routinely keep in contact with. That um, I observe the men and them making phone calls, and now granted, men talk for shorter periods of time, generally speaking. But I, I watch the men in my area. They call all the time. They call several times a day. Um, some of the sponsors take 10 phone calls in a row. I mean, it's just, wow, these guys are always communicating. It doesn't matter what time of night these call, they, these guys will pick up the phone. Well, I find with women, not only do I have a hard time getting people to pick up, but then when, I, when I'm when i just calling because I need to practice picking up the phone, I'm not always having issues. They're like, why are you calling me? What can I do to help you? Well, I need to go now. It's like, okay, uh, I'm calling you. I need a sister. Help me. Uh, so um, even as a woman to be available, even just to talk, it's hard to pick up the phone. I mean, no matter who you are, whether you have 30 years of sobriety or, you know, two, two minutes of sobriety, it's hard to pick up the phone um, to be available to at least talk for a little bit of time. And if you can't talk, either let them know I only have two minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes or don't pick up at all. Um but just to, you know, hang up on them and it's just, you know, try to, you know, I don't know, but it's, but to be welcoming when women call you. Um, and so, cause it's, it's, it's been really hard for me to talk when women question, well, why did I call in the first place? Well, I'm just practicing reaching out. How are you doing? It's like, and so um, anyways, but yeah, it is a joy to be of service. I have never regretted picking up the phone for a woman when I have, I haven't been as good about, well, I guess I haven't been as good at reaching out, so I don't get as many calls now. Uh, but since I've been really busy in my life more recently, and hopefully that will change very soon, but I, it's, I haven't had as much time on my hands anyways. But, um, but it's very important for me to get back to people at a reasonable hour or, you know, let them, you know, get back to them and check in or whatever. So, um, so to make the story simple, I am very passionate about women in SA. Um, I'm so excited to be a part of this committee uh, and um, so excited that things are happening. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure about the time factor when I got started, but I've never been um, sorry about getting involved with service of any kind. It just enhances my recovery. Um, So let's see, is there, um, are there any, I know I I can talk forever. especially when it comes to what I'm passionate about, I just can't stop talking about. And I guess I do want to apologize. I realize when I get excited, I tend to talk fast, and I know that's not good for an international meeting. <laughs> so, so if I apologize right now to those of you that might be struggling with my fast talking, um, I don't always remember to slow down. I actually, in my other fellowship, there is a meeting that says this is an international phone meeting, Please talk slowly so your people around the world can understand you. Uh, so I am aware of that. Um, but it's, it's so um, I wanted to say something about that. Any questions or anything more, Elaine or uh, Claudia have to add as well? Oh, let's see. This is Brendan here. I'm just just that maybe some other people would like to uh, feed into this really interesting. Uh, but maybe some of the uh, other other women from around the world that are on this moment ask a question or make a Hi, Kathy. Uh, this is Shipra. Hi, Shipra. I know I've spoken on the phone with you a few times. Yeah. Uh, Kathy, uh, I just wanted to know that 
is it important to find out the whys of your like disease in the very beginning or do we have to like can we parallelly do it or do we have to like push it to the end of the whole recovery process so to find why i'm a sexaholic basically yes um i find that's I, I say I would say no, not at all. You know, if I get focused on that, that's that's not focusing on my recovery. That's focusing on the problem. And it's not that I won't ever find reasons of why, um, you know, for example, I had abuse, you know, certain areas in my life and da-da-da-da-da and da-da-da, whatever. Um, yeah, we all have those things, and I could name possible situations. But the bottom line is today I'm a sexaholic, and today I need to work my program. And so how am I going to make, make, work my program to stay sober? If I happen to find out some more whys along the way, great, woohoo. But I don't need to know them and I don't need to focus on them. So that's my simple answer. So in my case, I had already been uh, doing some self-work before coming into SA. I had stopped acting out for almost five years prior to coming to SA. I was doing meditation. I found out that meditation comes de- really after in, in later steps. So uh, is this like a standard for everyone? Or like some people, I believe, are not able to even register their emotions and deal with them properly. And some of us are a little ahead of that. And so it, it, does it have to be that standardized for everyone? Or um, absolutely can- not. And you're not looking at a standardized girl here at all. Um, <laughs> if anything, I'm just starting to realize dealing with my emotions. And for me personally, my sobriety date is about a little over two years after I came into the fellowship. Um, and it took me that full two years to even begin to look at, oh, I need to look at lust, not just the physically acting out. It's like, and I know m- most people coming in today, they have a clue that you need to look at lust. No, it took me over two years. And I was so out of it, you know, being out of reality that even a retreat I went to in my first year where it's by this wonderful, huge, beautiful river. When I went back two years later, it's like, oh, there's a river there because I didn't even notice the river. So I was so out of it. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, it took me over two years to even think about looking at lust as a problem. And no wonder I had a harder time staying sober. And no wonder I was going downhill half the time, even though I kept my sobriety for the most part. Um it was still not a good time for me. And so, yes, some people go really fast. Some people go really slow. I mean, yes, people do things on the side like they do other, um, you know, programs through their counselor or possibly through their church or another program or whatever. Um, does not has nothing to do with SA, but it still helps the recovery. But that's, you know, I call those outside issues. I mean, I, I might make my sponsor aware of what I'm doing, but my sponsor is there to help me through the steps. Um She's, she's not there to give me opinions about outside issues like that. That's, that's completely up to me what to do. Um, but I do let my sponsor know generally what I'm doing, but I don't give her the gory details of it because that's not what she's there for. I also let her know what fellowships I'm in um, just because in case I'm having a struggle in those fellowships, I can say, well, by the way, this is what's happening. Um, I'm struggling in this fellowship right now um, just so she knows that's part of the problem. If she wants to ask me more about it, she can, but, that's not her thing. I can go at other places for that help. Um, so your essay sponsor is there to help you um, keep your, to, to support you as you stay sober in essay and, and help you go through the steps. Um, she's not there to be your friend or your counselor or anything else necessarily. All those things, well, definitely not your counselor, but um, I find it, you know, in a lot of cases, I'm not friends with my sponsors either. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, but, the primary reason is to help help you go through the steps. So the other stuff is outside issues um, to anybody in essay. You don't mention that stuff in a meeting because it's it's outside. So yeah, um, to some of your points that you said, I am to each his own, right? So my uh, I earlier in the meetings I shared that um, because of lack of all those uh, essay meetings, I am talking to a guy who is an AA and then um, you know I could see the as my list of people or my slippery roads were reducing uh, 
all those people i could not even think about in that light started it started to transfer from one person to the other and uh, it some of it was very revealing but um the only way i found i mean like you said you have to at some point work with these people uh because you can't you can't be living in all women world after all um and my situation is like uh, certainly like that that uh, uh i am also planning to go into an a meeting with all alcoholics and this being indian men were alcoholic and i've not really heard a lot of good stories about uh so i'm being given some instructions how to share and what to say uh, uh, uh but yeah i'll have to do it anyhow um attend mm-hmm. uh, a meetings so um with i could i definitely feel that not all men because at one point i almost became like a male hater there uh, there's been a lot of role of lot of men which has gone wrong in my life um so i kind of became a male hater at one point and uh, just because i found these two people at the right time as sponsors i'm trying to and one of them being a man i am seeing that it's the problem is not basically with the men in general so my perspective yeah, she, is yeah. definitely We're changing running out of time is the only reason i'm interrupting you but just to talk about aa for a little bit um you know i too because like i said i went i took me 3 hours one way to get to a meeting once a week and so i did go to aa meetings for a while um i chose some in particular book study that's you definitely book studies are the best meetings because that we base our there are literature to begin with and i did introduce myself as an addict um and um yeah and so that's and in one of my other fellowship where it's very hard to find a sponsor as well um the actually one suggestion they make is you go through step 0 and step 1 in this example with an essay sponsor because unless you're an a sexaholic you're not going to be able to help you with step 1 and step 0 but steps 2 to 12 you can have any sponsor help you with so even somebody in AA could help you with steps 3 to 2 to 12 um um as far as going to a meeting with you know it's you said it's, you've heard bad things about it Um I know with the guys in Portland, Oregon, I of course I don't live in Portland, Oregon. Um but they can tell me which AA meetings are not safe, which are safe and which aren't safe. And so you might even ask your SA guys, well, I I you know, I need to supplement or somebody else you know that's safe. I need to supplement with these AA meetings, you know, do you know which ones are safe or not? And cuz they might be able to tell you. Um cuz they know uh in fact even when I gave my first step I I wanted to argue with the guys that they didn't know what grooming was and of course they were professional they I I won't get that you know here I am arguing with a sexaholic about you know something they're they know how to do and act out cuz these guys know how to be bad people in AA meetings so they can tell you where those meetings are at um cuz that's probably how they acted out in the past anyways partially um so yeah AA AA is a great help to supplement your SA program no doubt um and we are just 1 minute to the top of the hour um or less I'm not sure. Yeah, so I I would strongly recommend um AA meetings as a supplement. Um just yeah. It worked it has worked for me in the past. Okay, thank you. Sorry, it's Mona. I have a question to uh is it possible? Um you can take another five you can take another five minutes definitely at least so let's carry on there. Okay, go ahead, Mona. Thank you very much. Uh well, you know, uh, in my country there is no mixed meeting and uh, when I asked uh, uh an old timer about that, she said it's safe for newcomers who don't know uh, how to um, um they don't they don't know um, their boundaries or their healthy connection with uh, opposite sex being uh, isolated. Uh, not to hurt or being hurt uh, by the other members in their fellowship and uh, lose their hope and uh, that's true um, for us separation meetings uh, in my early recovery helped me not to entering um, on reality of the people who talk well are doing well uh, on their recovery uh, and um, 
we have many uh, women here and uh, our meeting uh, is started from three persons to 30 people uh, in uh, the meeting uh, and uh, i think uh, there are more than 170 p uh, women in uh, sa in uh, my country so uh, our culture is like this uh, that separation between men and women uh, are um, acceptable uh, what do you think uh, about it um i don't I, i'm so glad to see you mona i just realized that was you mona that's on the line um <laughs> i looked for you earlier and you weren't here um as far as your country um I certainly don't have experience in your culture, so I really don't feel like I can share on that. Um, but it's something, but I, I do hear you're getting a women's committee in your country, and I think that is amazing. Uh, so it's just, you know, one baby step at a time, just working with others in your fellowship about what, what can we do and how is this going to work. And meanwhile, with you connecting with other women in your area, even if it's not a meeting, um, as well as other women around the world um, to keep you going. Um, so, yeah, I just, I think it's amazing what's happening in your country. And, um, but again, I have no experience in your culture. And I know, because I've even had, um, I've had to say that to, say, Jewish people in New York. I've, I've, I'm not familiar with your culture enough. I can give you suggestions, but, um, and I, I, you know, because that's a whole other culture here and it's in the U.S., um, but I really can't speak from experience. And so trying to work with that um, in a different way, I'd have, you know, I'd have to get to know the situation a lot better to even have a chance. And then really, I still don't know. So, um, so yeah, but it's, it sounds like you guys are on the right track though. So just keep doing what you're doing. Um, and, and um, yeah, Mona, I know we didn't hear your share earlier because you weren't able to pop in with Suzanne. Um, uh, did you want have? Did you want to share for a couple more minutes? No, thank you. <laughs> okay, so nice I'm just I'm glad to hear your voice on the line. I I wish Suzanne could hear you too, but she's not here. So <laughs> she was definitely on me. You've got to get Mona. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. No, I want I want to say thanks very much, um, and thanks for there's Elaine and Claudia and for Kathy coming together on this at the last moment, uh, and I have to say. I'm very sorry that it was such a last moment thing. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that next year um, when this is getting on, women will be on the committee from early on. Um, you know, there's a, <coughs> I saw it all fill up very quickly and we had Channel A and we, had, we ended up with like two women, sorry, three women speakers, but on two sessions on Channel A out of 24 hours. Um, not necessarily what they would call balanced <laughs> you know maybe we could try a little harder next year would be good to have more women involved in this process with the committee so you get a crowd of lads around you know so say who should speak well we're all we're him and him and him and him and him and him and him you know sort of this thing whatever so, you know you say well should we? <laughs> it's like i was I, I was out years ago i was working i was in, in in peru and you know and um i i said like well you know we're talking about the environment we're talking about the the amazon and all this thing you know don't you think we should get the indigenous people involved and, and, and these guys who were working in environmental organizations were saying to me, what, like, like go and talk to them? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, <laughs> you know, it seemed pretty relevant, pretty relevant, like, to sort of to, to have them in, you know. A couple of things I just want to sort of say in this thing. It wasn't easy to get contacts for women. You know, there was, I, I, I got the response like, well, go to the service structure. Well, you know, but you have them all in your diary over there. What about you know, helping me through with this thing. Go to the service structure. Then you go to the service structure, trying to find people here and people there and whatever. And eventually, I, you know, it was just pick it up and throw it out. You know, find something and throw it out. And, um, and, and, and it's great. But there wasn't that. I didn't find it. And I've been around a reasonable amount of time. Uh, I didn't find it all that easy. Um, so there's, there's more that we can do to, to work on that. I really enjoyed your, your, your shares and I, and I was delighted to be sitting in on this because, you know, there aren't many women in the fellowship in Ireland um, and there was probably even fewer in Australia. As a matter of fact, I don't think I ever saw one in Australia when I was there. Um, but, you know, and, and so there is this sort of tension about how do you go about this? And then, and then the one or two women that are in Ireland, everything gets dumped on them. 
And then there's a sort of reaction, well, you know, men should stand up to it and sort of say, well, well how? What do, you want? What, what, what do you think we should do? How do you think we can go forward? And I'm finding it... Um, now, Michael, can, are you there? Can I see your face there? That's better, yeah. Um, like, sort of, we have to... Uh, we, 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 well, anyway, there's stuff to work on. There's stuff to work on. And, and I hope we're all open to it. Great session. Thank you so much. It's all recorded. It'll go out. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing more, more participation in, in the future. We have a session coming up now. Um, maybe would you like to finish that out with one of the, um, could I Could I invite Shipra maybe to, to lead us in, in, in a prayer uh, out of the, the, that past session? Um, a step chair prayer of your choice? I would not have a prayer handy with me, sorry. Okay, so, so, so um, Elaine, you, you brought us into this. Yeah. Well, okay. We, we, you're we're you're muted, Elaine. Oh, there okay. you go. Oh. There you go. Okay. You're muted. Okay. Yeah. Step prayer. Yeah. Oh. No, oh, no, 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 the serenity prayer. I'm, I'm so, so, so nervous. Yeah, serenity prayer. Too. <laughs> God. Grand us to serenity. Step thing. We cannot change. The courage to change the thing we can. And to... The cur- uh, to wish the wish to know the difference. Your will not mind be done today. <laughs>